Vegas takes over. Smith comes out to the neutral zone. Deals right. Marcia fires. He scores! Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Smith to Marcia 4-2 Golden Knights. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Ooh, welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Wallace Millard Chapman inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... I will tell you why the Montreal Canadiens are still in the Stanley Cup final despite being down 2 nothing to the defending <laughs> champions. That's coming up over the course of the next two hours. We will also dive into another coaching hire in the National Hockey League as the Arizona Coyotes have a replacement for Rick Tockett. It's a name that uh, hockey fans will be familiar with, but those, if you're just in and around the National Hockey League, will be somewhat new to you. Uh, it's a, a person that is trying to make their mark uh, on the professional side of things. And uh, an in- interesting hire, uh, not the most obvious. And that's the second straight uh, that we've seen uh, of this ilk, where it kind of comes off the board uh, a little bit, along with the Seattle Kraken. So we'll get into that from the Arizona Coyote uh, perspective. A trade in the National Hockey League as the maneuvering ahead of the Seattle expansion draft has officially started with Nashville getting involved in a deal with the Los Angeles Kings. And on the uh, Vegas Golden Knight front, We have uh, significant news out of the organization in the front office as Randy Morton has signed on as co-CEO along with with Kerry Bubbles. And that is going to uh, uh, offer a a very different and unique and uh, exciting uh, angle uh, on top of uh, the the Vegas Golden Knights. And there's a a different little spinoff to uh, Bill Foley and what he's doing with the organization. And Randy's going to join us in our number two. I'm looking forward to uh, chatting with Randy. He's, you know, uh, Ryan, he's the first, like, mm-hmm. VIP big wheel that I ever met when I moved to Vegas was, was Randy Morton. Really? Yeah. Really? I don't know whether he oh. knows that, that I looked at him in, the, in that regard. Like, I finally, I remember going home and, and phoning my wife because they didn't even live here yet. And I said, I, I met Randy Morton. I met a big wheel. And, and now uh, he's sort of my boss. Uh, I'm, like, I'm looking forward to, uh, <laughs> to to bringing him on and and chatting about things. But he but he comes from the Bellagio and uh, moves over to the sports side. So that's uh, and he's a hockey guy too. There's some real interesting parts to this and uh, and what it means for the Vegas Golden Knights. Not just the hockey part of it, but the uh, the entertainment uh, aspect of it as well. There's some uh, some cool things that I'm hearing sort of scuttlebutt around the office. And I'm excited to talk wow. to Randy about it uh, today because, like, I can't just walk into his office. I can't. But if I he's mean, on the air with us, we got him. We can ask him what we want to ask him, right? So that first meeting didn't go particularly well then? Uh, no, the first <laughs> you, meeting. You didn't, did did the, you make a good first impression? Oh, yeah. we. I, I'm, I'm a great first impression person. Like, did you not like me the first time you met me? It's it's after you get to know me for a while that you don't like me. You Isn't know, there's right? a wrinkle of truth to that yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. It, as Guaranteed. you As you kind of wear 
as you wear on a person, then all of a sudden it starts to, to become very illuminating. Um, the things that you do that might be construed as frustrating and annoying. I, I Yeah, you're absolutely right. Your if, first impressions are always very good. It's you, all downhill. You have there. to have a, an openness to be around me. That's the way I look at it. <laughs> you have to be open to my quirks and my sense of humor. If you don't, then I'm going to wear on you a little bit. And I think some of the audience gets that. Uh, Rita gets that. Uh, but uh, there's others that are a little take it a little bit too serious uh, along the way. But uh, uh, we got a with a big, great show. And, and Ash from Sam and Ash Law, uh, the Legal Minute, uh, going to stop by. Some crazy things happening in, in another. Like basketball right now and cycling. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's pandemonium. It, it, the injuries in the NBA and and players just dropping like flies and in the Tour de France where people are jumping out in the middle of the road and, and causing accidents. Uh, fan interaction uh, has been a thing in the NBA. Now it's taken over to cycling. So there's a lot to talk about uh, with Ash and a big honor uh, coming her way. So uh, we are uh, we are excited. But let's get to uh, to the Stanley Cup final first. And mm-hmm. and not to uh, to like get it out of the way, but that was an impressive performance last night by the Montreal Canadiens, and uh, and a gutsy win by the Tampa Bay Lightning to take a two nothing series lead. And I want to explain to people why I think Montreal is in an okay spot. Remember Game One against Colorado in the Vegas series. Mm-hmm. You get lit up, short turnaround. Tough situation. Uh, that's what happened to Montreal as well in game one against Tampa Bay. And then in game two with Vegas and Colorado, Vegas played a great game and just came out in the short end of it, but built some confidence. Like Montreal deserved a result last night in their favor. They didn't get it. But if they can take the same type of attitude that Vegas displayed in coming back to T-Mobile for games three and four uh, of that second-round series against Colorado, I think Montreal is going to be just fine to make this a series. It's going to be a challenge to win four or five uh, against uh, the Stanley Cup champions, but Mm -hmm. I still think that there's something there to make this a series. The way the kids responded last night and and just they, they were able to push the pace so much more. Uh, I, I don't think that this is necessarily your sweep or your gentleman's sweep uh, in, in waiting. No, I, I don't think so either. I was very much encouraged by what I saw last night from the Montreal Canadiens outside of the result. When you look at process versus result, the process last night for the Canadiens was absolutely fantastic. They were controlling the majority of play. They were disrupting a lot of what the Tampa Bay Lightning were trying to do or what they were able to do with relative ease in game number one. And really the the main factor in the game last night was Andre Vasilevsky was absolutely fantastic. Now, could he be fantastic two more times straight? Absolutely. But I do think that the Canadians, if they continue to play the way that they did in game two, they can very, very quickly turn this series on its head, and I, I do think this one's going to be a long one. I don't think the Canadians are, are out of this one by any stretch because the way they played the game yesterday was so impressive. The The flip side of that, the contrarian argument, is that mm-hmm. Montreal played its best game, and they still lost. And yeah. they will be so dejected that it will end up being 
a quicker series than everybody hoped. And I, I, I wouldn't discount that rationale and that thinking that, uh, that you, you threw everything that you had at Andre Vasilevsky and you still came out on the losing end. The, there's certain points in, in series that, that we can point, uh, point to. In Minnesota, Vegas, it was the Jonathan Marcheseau goal. 18 seconds mm-hmm. after uh, Minnesota opened the scoring in, in game number two. Uh, in the Montreal Vegas series, it was the puck off uh, off Marc Andre Fleury behind the net. Like a, a lot of times, there is a singular moment. The concern for Montreal is that that singular moment was three tenths of a second to go in the second period last night, when Montreal makes an ill-advised turnover. And not that mm-hmm. there's advised turnovers, uh, but you can certainly be, do them uh, with yourself in a better position than they did uh, with the neutral zone. And and Jeff Petrie being a little too aggressive uh, with time running out. And then two mm-hmm. spectacular plays uh, by the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I'm not sure we saw the best of the Montreal Canadiens from that point on. It just seemed to be um, a little bit stunned, taken aback. A lot like what Vegas was in overtime after uh, the misfortune in in game um, uh, three against Montreal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a really good comparison. I do think that you know that kind of mistake in that game, understanding how well you had played for the entirety of the second period, it certainly hurt the Canadians, and it, it almost felt inevitable that once that goal went in, Andre Vasilevsky wasn't letting anything else in. So that game almost felt like it was a foregone conclusion. But all that being said, like what I look at for the for the Canadians is simply the fact that. While they did play their best game, and while the Tampa Bay Lightning were very opportunistic, I just think that with this team, they're unfazed by where they're at within a series. We mm-hmm. look at the first round, we look at being down 3-1 to one to the to the Toronto Maple Leafs, and then it was Montreal that completely took that series over. For the majority of the Vegas series, even when they were down two games, or even when they were down one game to, uh, to nothing, like they were able to find ways, they were able to find pockets to kind of take those moments over. And, you know, I'm not going to discount this team until they lose that fourth game because we've seen them battle through that adversity all playoffs long. And don't forget, they're going home. And you know what that means? Ghosts. Ghosts. The oh, ghosts, the ghosts are, are waiting in, in Montreal. That I will say, there's, there's coaching. And and then there's the when the athletes just do things, and and you can prepare your team as a coach, uh, and be the most prepared that uh, that any uh, opposition or peer in in your loop can be. Whether we're talking uh, U14 or whether we're talking the top of the sport uh, in the National Hockey League, when athletes make blunders. They, 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 it takes it out of the coach's hand. That was a blunder last night by the Montreal Canadiens. And they had mm. the right people on the ice. And even with the right people on the ice, it can get away from you. There's no way with less than 10 seconds to go when you have full possession of the puck in your own mm-hmm. zone without any type of forecheck coming at you, 
that that should end up in the back of the net. There's just and 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 you you've got everything right. The coach um, is prepared his team. They played a great game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got the right players on the ice. You have an all-world goaltender in uh, guarding your net, and somehow you create an opportunity by your own mishandling of the puck. And I, I'm I'm giving Tampa credit for the play at the net, mm-hmm. but Montreal created that opportunity by mishandling uh, the puck. There's there's the clock and the situation. Coaches talk about it all yep. the time. Yep. And and that clock and the situation last night made for an easy decision uh, for, for the Montreal Canadiens. You pass it up, you chip it, and you get it down. And and it's part of it's on on Weber and and uh, uh, Sherratt and and what what they were able to to see. And again, they're all world players, mm-hmm. and they didn't put their forwards in the right spot. The forwards didn't then uh, handle what was a difficult position very well. And Tampa Bay took advantage of it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's one of those plays that, you know, as as we've kind of gone through these playoffs, it's a play you don't need to make, right? Like, it, it's it's forcing something that you don't need to make given the time left in the second period. I mean, even if you just want to throw that one up off the off the boards in 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 give up possession that way it yeah. would be it would it would have been a less dangerous play than what you went through going D to D bobbling that puck and then it's Barkley Gaudreau making just a phenomenal play around Ben Sherratt and then you know the finish is is just phenomenal from Blake Coleman but I mean that's a play that that should never have come to be if not for the Montreal Canadiens handing it to the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I don't want to take anything away from the, the finish because it, that's, it's the type of play that you make statues out of. The dive yeah. and reaching yeah. out and just taking it away from, uh, from the opposition and scoring in the Stanley Cup final. It is one of those legendary plays that will become the the hallmark of if Tampa Bay wins the the Stanley Cup of this March, like Steven Samkos scoring uh, coming off the bench and scoring a goal uh, last year. Those the, was it, was it the Stamkos year? Was it the Goodrow year? What 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 was it? And and it was brilliant. It was beautiful uh, moment. The problem is it didn't need to happen, and when it's self inflicted. Mm-hmm. It just feels like those become so much harder to get over. And we watched it with Vegas, and we watched it last night in the third period by the Montreal Canadiens. I think that, I think yeah. that goal, that goal was, is more frustrating than, than the frustration of throwing everything at Andre Vasilevsky and not getting anything out of it. No, I, I agree with you 100%. I, I mean, if, if that game plays out the exact same way and Tampa earns the go-ahead goal, it's a little bit different, right? Like, it, it, it's a, a different type of, of feeling after that game for, for Montreal. But the fact that you you know, and you look at the second goal, you look at the third goal it, to, to an even greater extent, yeah. those are just plays that the Canadians handed goals to the, to the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I don't care how much you feel like you can you can find wins. I don't care how much you believe in your room when you're down in a series. You cannot give a team as talented as Tampa 
free goals. And that is what the Canadians did last night. Now, you can probably shore that up very easily by just executing your game plan and not making those mistakes. But hockey is a game of mistakes. There will be mistakes that you make. You just have to make sure that when you make them the rest of the way, it's not guaranteeing free goals to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, so one, on one hand, you're frustrated as heck because you mm-hmm. can't score. And you've turned your game around so much from from the opener. And you're doing everything right, and you still uh, don't have the lead at that point. So that's that's frustrating. And then you gift them a goal. So you're trying so hard to score, and you can't, and you gift them a goal through a turnover. Wow. Like, that's that's double numbing, which uh, I don't know whether that means you can feel again, double numbing. <laughs> I'm just I'm making up that term on the uh, live on the air. But that uh, it was... It was a great game. You don't think of of Tampa Bay with all those stars as mm-hmm. that team that can lock it lock it down. They didn't exactly lock it down, but they they shut the door last night with Andre Vasilevsky. And if you're questioning uh, at all the value uh, of of that the big cat, boy oh boy! I mean, they had Ben Bishop there, who mm-hmm. was Vesna Trophy uh, candidate every year. Uh, led them to a Stanley Cup final, and they let him go. Like, they traded him to, to the L.A., but they mm-hmm. didn't hold on to Ben Bishop because they had Vasilevsky coming, and what what a performance and what a stable back end they have for this generation of, of the team. The, the great drafting. They drafted at, the near, at or near the top, uh, and they made the right picks there, but they also have complemented it with some pretty incredible pieces. Yeah, I mean, you look at the goal last night, the one that that very well could be the turning point in this series, the pivotal, seminal moment of this series, and it's Barclay Goodrow to Blake Coleman. It is it is players that Julian Brisebois last season identified as the difference between you know not realizing your playoff potential and realizing your playoff potential. And it's, it's a very reductionist of me to say that, but the fact of the matter is those players over the course of last year in the bubble and so far throughout these playoffs, those have been the players that have come up in big moments for Tampa Bay, and those are the guys that have performed incredibly well in getting this team over the hump to a Stanley Cup last year and on the verge of another one this year. Yeah, you hit on your first-rounders, Stamkos, Hedman, Vasilevsky, and mm-hmm. then you compliment yep. them. Uh, but by the way, the pass, not not as much is being made of the pass <laughs> on on the, the go-ahead goal as as the diving play to put the puck in the back of the net, but the pass on that turnover and, mm-hmm. and putting it in the right sp- If it's not in that spot, it gets deflected away. And you're, you've got a player coming down on his off wing, making a, a play like that. Uh, that to me, with all due respect was as much of a skilled play as the finish. The 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 focus on Barclay Goodrow is the play that he makes to get around Ben Sherratt, right? Like, and, and you're you're right. Not enough is being made of the pass, but I think that's because the play that he makes at the blue line to get by Sherratt, keep that play on side, and then understanding where you're at on in terms of the game clock, understanding how to be patient to get that pass across. I mean, it's all world all the way around. It's just two players that understand their role coming up in a huge moment. 
Wild. And and this is this is on a night where where Montreal had it going on and had some feel and some confidence and that little pluckiness that uh, that they've had. They'll they'll need to regroup now. I, I found it interesting that there's so much talk about well, Dominic Ducharme won't be back until game three. This is after mm-hmm. the game one performance by Tampa Bay that uh, that held Montreal at arm's length. Uh, they don't have their coach. They got to make some adjustments. It's a tough, tough situation. I'm like, uh, no, they just, they just did a really incredible job upsetting the goal of the Knights. I, 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 game one isn't on on Luke Richardson or Dominic Ducharme or or that whole thing. That was on players just not playing, and mm-hmm. and then yeah. seeing a team for the first time. Probably more on seeing a team for the first time. Montreal has made in-series adjustments as well or better than anybody in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And mm-hmm. they did it against Toronto. They, uh, I, I thought Winnipeg had the, the, the wind taken out of their sail because of the Shifley thing, but they didn't allow anything uh, to, to get out of Winnipeg. And they made the change after Game 3 against the Golden Knights which altered the series and, and any flow that the Golden Knights uh, were able to get. Uh, it's been, and, and that was without Dominic Ducharme. Uh, I'll be curious to see what happens. Uh, does, does, you've been following the, the fans and the uh, decisions, the applications to get more people into the rinks in, mm-hmm. in, in Montreal. Uh, is it going to happen? Uh, as of yesterday, it is not. It will still be 3,500 fans at Bell Center tomorrow. Wow. Uh, that'll, that'll be, that's disappointing. Mm-hmm. I yeah. get it. Uh, they've done such, and they've, they've held such a line in Canada on all activities uh, throughout that going from 3,000 to 15,000 was never really in the cards. I thought they might mm-hmm. bump it up a little bit to five or six. Uh, and the the comparison that you you make and the argument that people will all make is, look outside the the Bell Center. Yep, like it's a free for all. Well, mm-hmm. to the to the most part, it's unregulated, and people are. I'm looking at a shot right now. Like it's just wild uh, outside, and and certainly was when they when they clinched against the the Golden Knights, but. Uh, inside, like going from the outside to the inside, is a little bit jarring. Uh, maybe, maybe Tampa Bay can take advantage of the uh, uh, of the environment. I don't know. First time Tampa Bay's played uh, played in Canada since they won the cup. Yeah, I, I think that that's kind of the the big unknown left in this series, right? Like when when it went to Montreal for the Vegas Golden Knights. Did the to the lack of fans in the building? Did the lack of of that uh, that sold out crowd have anything to do with with their performance in Game Three and Four? I I don't know, but it'll it'll be interesting to see how the Tampa Bay Lightning kind of how they perform in that situation because they're used to now playing in a full building. And you know, I I just I, I look at this series again. I, I think that. The way that the Canadians played in Game 2, you can draw a lot of positive vibes from that. However, now you've, you're in a situation where you can't drop a game at home. And and I yeah. get it. They've been down 3-1 to one in a series before. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning are not the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, Tampa Bay with a 3-1 lead in a series is going to close it out. They will find a way. 
That being said, it's going to be very important for the Canadians to get both wins in Montreal and turn this into a best-of-three series. Uh, Carey Price has to be a factor in the games in Montreal. He's got to steal you at least mm-hmm. one game and then hope that the team can uh, can win another to knot that one up. Uh, we'll get more into what's going on in and around the National Hockey League, uh, a trade, a hiring, and then we'll get into uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, who uh, had a significant uh, announcement today within the organization. We'll chat about that on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Randy Morton's going to join us, new co-CEO over at the, the Vegas Golden Knights. Actually, it's a, it's a new uh, group. It's the Foley Entertainment Group. Uh, created by Bill Foley. So we'll get uh, Randy's take on, on what's happening with the Vegas Golden Knights. You've got a AHL team with the Henderson Silver Knights. You've got the uh, Indoor Football League uh, coming to uh, Las Vegas. So we've got the Dollar Loan Center. And, like, there's a lot going on there. But, boy, uh, uh, bringing in uh, somebody like uh, like Randy Morton from the Bellagio is going to be uh, offer a different look the casino and the resort uh, angle along with the, the sports and the entertainment. Uh, that'll be a lot of fun in the VGK Insider Show with Randy in just a little bit. Darren Millard along with Ryan Wallace and Chris Chapman here in the Fox Sports Las Vegas studio. Uh, do you want to do Do you want to do the trade today or do you want to do Arizona's hiring of a coach? I'll, I'll give you the option. Uh, we probably have about eight minutes, nine minutes uh, in this segment. They're both very intriguing storylines. Mm-hmm. Um, let's, let's start with the trade and, you know, who knows, maybe we're efficient. We get to both of them. No chance we get to both of them. No (laughs) way. Because, uh, because Chapman has flooded our inbox with our text messages today, trying to figure out this trade. So he's going to take take up five minutes on his own. I said one message regarding that. And then I was like, yeah, you guys are absolutely right. It makes a lot of sense. (laughs) So here, give us the trade, Ryan. And okay. your first blush reaction to the deal between the Predators and the L.A. Kings. Okay, so the L.A. Kings get Victor Arvidsson. The Nashville Predators receive L.A.'s 2021 second-round pick and a 2022 third-round pick. Uh, my first blush reaction is Victor Arvidsson is a very attractive player to the Seattle Kraken. And David Poyle knows that. So what do you do? You send them to the LA Kings, you get future assets in return, and therefore you get something for a player you were likely going to lose in the expansion draft. They they didn't see. So Arvidsson is in the prime of his career. He mm-hmm. has yeah. salary, uh, cost certainty. Uh, he's got three more years left on his, his contract. He's a two-time 30-goal scorer, but... That's that comes with an asterisk because he hasn't scored 30 goals in the last couple of years. Well, technically he did. He scored well, no, he scored 25 the last two years total uh, <laughs> after scoring two goal, uh, 30 goal seasons uh, twice in a season. So the the production has fallen off. There is cost certainty, uh, but with the way their group is situated, uh, they wanted to go at a different route as far as protecting players. So uh, mm-hmm. Arvidsson wasn't going to be protected by the Nashville Predators. You don't want to lose him 
to the Seattle Kraken, whatever Seattle was offering as far as, uh, okay, what, what can we get for not taking Arvidsson uh, wasn't as good as a second and a third round pick that the Los Angeles Kings put forward. The value, it, it kind of sets the market in a way mm-hmm. for what we're going to witness over the next 14 days uh, leading up to the National Hockey League expansion draft when a lot of this work uh, is is going to uh, take place. Uh, 21st is the expansion draft uh, and the announcements. It, it uh, A second and a third round pick for a player that is in a, is between a 15 and a 30 goal score, wide range, but that's what he is, is is extreme. Like that's that's a heavy price. Mm-hmm. That is good for LA. It gives them more push and accelerates the LA Kings program. Does it make them a playoff team? No, but it can. If he scores 30 goals. Might be their best player, mm-hmm. quite quite honestly. So, so what's what's interesting to me in in looking at the LA Kings and especially what they've been able to do over the last couple of seasons is that you've got a team that was old and their core was getting older and older, and you you have all of those those holdovers from the Stanley Cup championship teams. But now when you look at the LA Kings, there's a lot of mid twenties in their forward group and there's a lot more speed a lot more youth this is a team that is is has been rebuilding and they're also finding those players that they think can kind of help this organization take the next step is victor arvidsson the key absolutely not if he ends up recapturing that goal scoring touch and he continues to bring that speed to the lineup then it makes the la kings a more formidable opponent in this pacific division Arvidsson's 10 goals this year would have been just part of the group in L.A. But his 30-goal pace from a couple of years ago would make him the best player, best goal scorer. Sorry, best goal scorer on the L.A. Kings. With all the, I don't want to get anybody upset with me with Kopitar and Dowdy and Brown <laughs> for, for, for that part and, and Brown. But uh, yeah. it, it gives them potential. And with the Iafalos, uh, with the Moors, Kempe, uh, I mean they've got, they've got some good good players. Uh, Anderson, Dolan, uh, Lazat. I think they they've they've got a group coming. So I I do I like the trade. And and L.A. has a ton of picks, and mm-hmm. he had a ton of picks in the last draft, and a, and still has seven picks in in this draft. So it gives them uh, some some real positive momentum going into next season. I I like the trade for LA. I do. I I like it too. Uh, again, I I think that any time the Kings make a trade and and they're looking for something to come back and and be a key to what they're trying to do in the future. And and I look at Arvidsson at 28 years old, under contract, three more years at a manageable cap hit. I just think that they're trying to get faster. They're trying to find ways to get a little bit more production out of their forward core. And you bring in Arvidsson, you take an op- you take a chance on him, it, depending on who he's playing with. I think it could be something that works out for the Kings. And I also don't get the sense that with their prospect pool and with the amount of picks that they have, that L.A. is necessarily done 
trying to make this team better for next season. What does it mean for Nashville? We know with the expansion draft, he Arvidsson wasn't going to be protected, or they had other options that they preferred. So they move yeah. him on. They get they get a second and third round pick. But this is a team that struggled to score goals last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Krock was and Grandlin were were their best at uh, I think thirteen goals each. Uh, and Forsberg, we know the talent there, but uh, he didn't even have that. What does that mean? For the Nashville Predators. Well, David Poyle is their general manager. David Poyle loves to swing for the fence. He Mm -hmm. is not afraid at all to make bold moves. I think there's something else here. And I'll just sprinkle this. Can can you throw throw me? Give me your your donor over there. I'm going to put some sprinkles on it. A little bit. This... I think this sets up because they've got $20 million in cap space now. Mm-hmm. I think 22, this sets, but who's yeah. counting? I think this sets up for a, a swing at Jack Eichel for the Nashville really? Predators. Yep. Really? I don't know whether it'll work. I don't know whether it'll happen, but but this sets it up. So, okay, let's let's kind of explore that for a moment because like if I'm if I'm Kevin Adams in that situation, okay, that's great. I want Roman Yossi. Tell me why I'm not going to get Roman Yossi in that deal. You're because you're not. I'm saying no. Then knock my socks off. Give me an offer. Yeah. I. I think there's a way to make this deal done. Get this deal done with picks. It's, it's not going to happen with Yossi. It's not. And and you know that. But it's it's there's still a way because. The issue here is you're dealing with an inexperienced... You've got David Poyle, the, the most mm-hmm. experienced general manager, against yep. the most inexperienced general manager, uh, who's dealing from a position of weakness because the player, the star player, wants out. I, mm-hmm. I'm i not going to sit here and tell you exactly how the trade is going to break down. I just wouldn't be surprised if in the next few days you hear a lot about the Nashville Predators being in on Jack Eichel. That's the that's so, the first step. So I don't dislike that from from Nashville's point of view. Like I, I look at the fact that, that UC Soros took a step this year. I like their defense. I, I think this is a team that with a piece like Jack Eichel, with a true number one center, if healthy, could certainly reap the benefits of, of what else is there with this club that being said i i i think that highlights the issue for kevin adams is that you're dealing from a position of weakness no matter what you try to do that's fair value it's just not going to happen in this situation exactly and and the the uh the picks that come back maybe you you put those into play uh it's it's going to take more than than eric holla uh colton sissons and rocco grimaldi to, to to grab Jack Eichel, but yeah. but he'll be in on it. And with that cap space, there's not a lot of teams that can take on ten million dollar player. They can. Yeah, no, you're right. So that immediately puts you in the mix. So the the idea here is you listen to the BJK Insider Show. We're going to give you stuff that you haven't heard before. Don't be surprised if you start hearing this 
down the road that the Nashville Predators uh, are in on Jack Eichel. And Nash Vegas, pretty good spot to be, play. If you're not going to play in Vegas, Nash Vegas, not bad. Uh, we're going to take a break. Uh, when we continue, it's uh, Randy Morton from uh, the uh, Fully Entertainment Group is going to join us, the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, newest executive uh, over there with the Golden Knights and the Silver Knights and uh, Dollar Loan Center and all the rinks, uh, comes over from the Bellagio. We'll chat with him about what he sees uh, uh, coming over from the casino and the resort side of things uh, into uh, the entertainment business and the hockey world. Uh, it's Randy Morton on the way as we move our way uh, midweek here on the Golden Knights uh, radio network and Fox Sports Las Vegas. It's time for the Legal Minute with Sam and Ash on the VGK Insider Show. Slide over to the Legal Minute, SamAndAshLaw.com. Uh, here is Ash. Uh, do I do I still get to call you Ash or do I have to re- uh, refer to you in some kind of title? Because, hey, congratulations to uh, one of uh, 2021's top lawyers uh, in, in, in Las Vegas. This is outstanding. You, you, you uh, really deserve this, and I'm glad that you're being recognized. Oh, thank you. Yeah, the news came out that I'm a, I'm a trailblazer. I guess I, I think I'm I'm waiting for the award ceremony at the tournament of the kings. I think they're going to knight me or something. <laughs> and it is for trailblazer. And you, here's the interesting part. I came to Vegas just after you guys came to Vegas, and this is the best compliment I can give to uh, Sam and Ash and uh, and what you guys have done. Is I thought you guys have been here forever. That's what kind of footprint that you've put in and uh, what kind of impact you're making in the Las Vegas Valley. Oh, great. Yeah, we love being here. And I know it, it's been a short time, but we've got made some great friends and we love being here. And um, I can't believe it took me this long to, to move to Vegas. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. Uh, we are in the same uh, category. Uh, France is a beautiful place. Uh, I would I would move to France. Uh, you and I uh, and uh, Sam we're going to go to Monaco one day. So we're 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 traveling around the world. But I'm not sure I want to bike in France. Uh, this crazy story out of the tour uh, that came up uh, opening stage where uh, the spectator jumps out to make sure that her sign is on TV and takes out a whack of riders. Uh, she was initially like just fled, took off, and they wanted to sue her and do all kinds of different things, charge her. Uh, Charges have now been dropped. Uh, the, did the tour have a, a say in this? Did the local government have a say in this? And where are the, because did some serious damage to some riders. Uh, what are the sort of options for people who are taking part in, in bike racing and somebody jumps out in the middle of the road? Yeah, this is, it's actually, it's really sad. And I, the video, I, it was unbelievable when I Crazy. saw it coming across Twitter. I, I tried to play the game of how many people were involved. Um, but so with any injury or neglig- criminal negligence case, you know, the most common that we talk about here is a DUI accident where someone gets hurt. Um, there's always two types of legal actions that occur. There's the criminal one. That's the state or the govern- governing body that can take against the in- individual, here the woman, for violating the law and creating a dangerous condition. Um, and then there's also the civil lawsuits that, whoever was injured can take um, against the person. And so what happened is is a tour dropped their lawsuit, um, but she's likely still going to face some type of significant fine by the government. Um, And she also will could potentially face lawsuits from the writers for their injuries. That's crazy, Ryan. Yeah. Now, do you think the withdrawal from the suit is the right thing to do in this situation? Well, I, you know, 
one reason is she doesn't she likely doesn't have pockets. She's just an everyday person who made a mistake and caused a catastrophe of injuries and consequences. And um, but, you know, when you file a lawsuit, you want a remedy. You want justice. You want some type of recovery. And she's not going to it's very unlikely that this woman is going to be able to provide that financial restitution that everyone wants. Um, and there's no insurance that would really cover this. Yeah, that's the the worst part about it is it's just one of those freak accidents that it, you would categorize under stupid. Like, there's no yeah. malice intended by it. Uh, just got a little bit uh, more excited. But it did cause damage. Um, now, it's a bike race. You're, you're traveling all over France. I'm not sure that there's much that, that the tour can necessarily do to prevent this other than just to plead to spectators to try and do the right thing. Well, you know, one of the things I would look to is, you know, in the sport of hockey, you know, we've evolved. We have nets now that so pucks right. that go up over the glass, they, they land in a net. They don't land in your lap or your beer. You know, that's that's no fun. No. Um, and then, but you think there's an easy remedy. Look at what the PGA Tour does. Um, they have a couple people that go out with ropes and they just block it off. You know, it's not like they have to block off all kilometer, like the whole race course at once. It's just. They have to be able to be ahead of the of the group, the pack. And so that's what I think the tour is, why they backed out of this lawsuit. They were kind of tapping into a hornet's nest of PR where it's really on them. And we saw the, the cyclist stage a protest, actually, um, for safer riding conditions. And I don't blame them. I don't blame them either. Even in the time trial, people are hanging over and uh, and getting in the way, and uh, I would I would freak out uh, if going down some kind of tunnel like that. I, I wonder if if the riders could sue the tour, uh, those that, that that were injured for unsafe riding conditions, or maybe they're just in, independent contractors and and they don't have a right to do that. I'm I'm curious about uh, that angle. You absolutely, they could. You know, that would be them creating a dangerous condition and not taking reasonable steps to, to make it a safe race. And so, um, absolutely, now that everyone's on notice that spectators are dangerous, and we've seen it with this cardboard sign. And, and so if it happens again, I think the tour is likely to see some lawsuits from riders. You know, they've got sponsors. They've got bills to pay. This isn't a cheap – it's not a cheap sport. Um, and so being – having to withdraw from a race because a spectator held a sign out and the, all the tour needed to do was dangle a string three feet off the course. Yeah. I, I don't see it as unreasonable. Ryan, imagine telling that story. Uh, like I got injured in the tour de France. Oh, were you going down a, yeah. a, a mountainside in the Pyrenees uh, and, you, and you went off the road and you, you managed to, rec no, no, I hit, I hit a woman who was jumping in front of the camera with a cardboard sign. Yeah, I mean, it would be, it would probably be my luck. So there's that. Uh, I guess I could probably relate to that, seeing as, you know, an entire wall fell on me while I was trying to build a house. <laughs> uh, but listen, I, I guess kind of in in reference to, you know, th this lady, and, and if you're looking at a, a personal, personal injury claim, you want to have that, that payout, like, in terms of the writers, would they be better inclined to sue or to, to file claim against the tour as opposed to the lady that did end up causing the injury? Yeah, absolutely. The tour's got the pockets to pay. They're the, they're the entity that takes all the fees, sponsorship dollars, marketing dollars, broadcasting dollars, everything like that. And so absolutely. I don't know if the writers have some type of arbitration agreement, you know, when they enter or anything like that, but that's your that's your best avenue of recovery, not the the little lady who held up the sign. 
like I'm amazed at the crashes this year. It's carnage uh, out oh. there. What, what what do you think is happening? Are they because the part of it's the fans. Uh, there's been a couple of incidents there. The other one is just the the riders themselves getting a little bit uh, quirky. Yeah, I don't know, and you know, but if you've looked at the tires that those riders are yeah. on, they're they're like like pinwheels. I don't know what to like. It's so flimsy, and so I think the littlest thing knocks them off balance, and um, they're at a high rate of speed. So it's a big risk. It's not a a casual stroll through the French countryside. So are you uh, are you watching uh, at all? Do you keep track of it, or are you kind of from from a distance? From a distance, um, I was, you know, I was one of those people that I, I, w- I was caught up in Lance Armstrong. And, right. you know, so when he was in it and there's this, like, star, um, that was interesting and I would try to pay attention. But now, you know, it's a tough sport to follow. I don't know enough about it. Um, but I do love, have you ever seen the indoor speed cycling when the Olympics come around? Well, on, the, on the velodrome. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's intense. When I don't know, have you ever been to a velodrome? No. The have ang- you? Yeah, the angle on that thing, you can't walk up uh, the, the side of it. It's ridiculous <laughs> uh, how steep it is. I, I encourage everybody, as we watch the Summer Olympics uh, uh, in, in Tokyo this summer, when you watch the track cycling and you see that, uh, try and get to a velodrome. They have one in L.A. Uh, that they do a lot of training. It's wild. So, so Ash, at some point, you got to get to the velodrome uh, in Los Angeles and just to, just to lay your eyes on it and see the angle of those corners uh, when they go by. And when they do the team one, and one guy... One, one team goes by really fast, and you go, oh, the other team. Oh, what happened to the Dutch? What happened to I'm the gonna Dutch? I'm going to have to go back up the 405. I was just there, so yeah. I'm going to have to go back. Get down there. Uh, Pogacar is uh, is awesome this year, and, uh, and so are you, uh, Trailblazer, and uh, you're doing uh, such great work here in the Las Vegas Valley. We're proud to be in uh, partnership with you guys and uh, couldn't be uh, happier for that honor that went your way. Uh, SamAndAshLaw.com. Uh, Ash, uh, keep it going. Oh, thanks, guys. We love you. This has been the Legal Minute with Sam and Ash on the BGK Insider Show. Brought to you by Sam and Ash. Visit them at SamandAsh.com because you deserve what's right.